And welcome to Catholics Coast to Coast, where as we continue our Advent season, we're together in conversation. I am Ace McKay, your host for this week's journey as we continue through the holidays. It's kind of hard sometimes to not get caught up in the busyness. We want to build memories. There's a lot of things that can distract us from the birth of Jesus and really what it can mean for us in the long term spiritually. So let's dive into it this week as just a guy in a pew helping us to create the understanding of the great mystery of Christmas and also commemorating the historical events of the birth of our Messiah. We want to join John and Victor as they address the temptation to get caught up in busyness of Christmas and to reflect unto the gift of the Advent season. This is Just a Guy in a Pew, this week on Catholics Coast to Coast. Well, welcome back to the Pew, everybody. I am your host, John Edwards, and I'm excited this week to welcome back my co-host and cohort, Victor Adams. Hey, uh, it's good to be back. You know, here we are, buddy, in the week of Advent. Yeah. And it's funny, we've done enough shows now, we've been doing this, gosh, five years or whatever it's been, and I look back and, and we talk about Advent every year, and it's it, there's almost like a stress to try to figure out how to talk about it in a different way. What can we say this year? We didn't, but at the end of the day, you know, I'm just kind of looking at it, going, "What is the Lord really, you know, pointing us to right now?" Mm-hmm. And even if it's the same thing as before, who cares? People may not have listened to it before last year, and maybe new listeners out there or whatever. But I just, you know, as I was thinking about this show in the first week of Advent, I've had the blessing of Angela really wanting to get dialed in, and her women's group is using a book. Uh, I think it's called "Preparing Your Hearts." It's uh, by Father Augustino Torres, which mm-hmm. is another CFR, brother of Father Malachi's and a friend uh, that I've met a few times. And it's wonderful. It's one of those reflections where you're going through week by week and day by day. And it, it's just Angela and her, her um, kindness to invite me into that with her really has drawn me into this place and focus on Advent. You know, there, there's a, there is a natural proclivity because of the weight of the culture to sort of start jumping into presents and gifts and Christmas trees and lights and Santa Claus and all that stuff. And while that's great, I love that. Like we've watched a couple of Christmas movies already and we went out, got our tree the day after Thanksgiving and all that stuff. And the decorating is fun, but there's an, if we're not careful, we can sleep on Advent, right? We can kind of bypass the four weeks and, and those four weeks of Advent become nothing but a mad rush to get all the presents and prepare the meals and the invitations and get the Christmas cards out and all of that. And we miss we kind of look at Advent as like this entire Christmas season where as soon as Thanksgiving is over, we're just doing nothing but eyes on Christmas Day. And that's not really the truth of what Advent is or what the church intended for it to be. It's a place and a time for us to prepare our heart. So, you know, Victor, I told you before we started, I used to feel bad like for Advent. Like, I mean, you know, because I was like, man, I feel bad because people were skipping over the season. But now I really feel bad for myself and others that oftentimes – miss out on the gift of what mm-hmm. Advent is, and it's it's a reminder of what's truly important. Right. Well, you said preparing our hearts, so just, just imagine, you know, we're celebrating the birth of, of Christ, and just imagine how much the the angels in, in heaven were preparing for his birth. Yeah. Like, the most amazing thing is about to happen. The, the, the greatest circumstantial of what God's love, act of love, is to, his, to, to us is sending him some down to us in a lowly form. And, and a young woman who was so faithful and loving God, said yes, and in a place that is not grandiose. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was just, just the humble settings of it all. And, like, if you really look at it, you're so amazed that, that he came down to change the world for us, 
to kind of really conquer sin and to eventually, you know, cast death into the, the pit to where we are not driven by fear anymore. We're driven, you know, we're, we act in love. Sure. And that's his greatest act is saying, hey, you know, as everyone's prepared for me to come, as, as I prepared myself to be present, my father's prepared me to be down here for, you know, millenniums. You know, yeah. we don't know what time is in, in heaven, but like I said, there was an act set in, in motion that Jesus said, yes, I'll do this. Yeah. You know. That conformity to the Father's right. will, and that's right. that's something I've been reading a lot about lately, and we'll probably do another like deeper show just on that. Mm-hmm. But you're right, there is a conformity by Christ to the will of the Father, and it's a call back to what we need to be looking at too. Is you know we're supposed to be like Jesus. We're supposed to be the light of the earth, the salt of the uh, the salt, the light of the world, salt of the earth. You know, Jesus' hands and feet, and so whatever He did, we're supposed to do. And there is this conformity. I mean, in Christ and His whole life, you know, by saying yes and then humbling Himself to be born in the flesh as a young, vulnerable uh, mm-hmm. child that had to depend on human beings to raise Him, and He had to be obedient to, and all of those things. And then you see Him conforming His will in the Garden of the Gethsemane too, at the end of His life, mm-hmm. when Father, whatever you want is what's most important. And so it's a call and a hearken back to us to what's important too is have we really conformed our will? Because that's that's what Advent is. Like you mentioned, you know, preparing our hearts, and we talked about that. You know, sometimes I can forget that. You know, sometimes people may not even really know what Advent is. We may have folks that are—I know it for a fact—we have people that aren't Catholic that listen to this, that are you know Protestants or non-denominational brothers and sisters that that may not even really have an understanding of what Advent is. So, you know, what the what the Church really tells us about Advent and and the season of Advent is that it's a time of preparation that directs our hearts and minds to Christ's second coming at the end of the time, at the end of time, but also to the anniversary of our Lord's birth on Christmas. But the thing is, like, we can look at all that and kind of get caught up in the, in like, well, it's about speculating then, right? Mm-hmm. It's about the second coming. So what we do and in, in what's been done for years and years and years and all facets of the faith is speculating. Well, like, right. ooh, well, there's a war here. Yeah. And it says in Revelations, there's wars. And so is it coming now? And and the point is not not speculating so much as it is as, as preparing, right? It, it's, it's, it's really about... Um, like being alert and ready, mm-hmm. you know, more than anything and not being weighted down and being distracted by the cares of the world. And, and that's what can easily happen during the Advent sure. season, yeah. right? Because we, it's been busy. Like most of us are worn out. We've been busting our tails all year at work. And, you know, if you got a family, you're doing just running and going and going. And so many of us look to the holidays as a time to just relax. And we look for that last bit of vacation and those things. But Really, what we should be looking for is this opportunity to make to ask are our are our affairs in order. I mean, John Paul II talks about this too. He's he's got a great quote, you know, where he says the liturgy of Advent helps us to understand fully the value and the meaning of the mystery of Christmas. It's not just about commemorating the historical event which occurred some two thousand years ago in a little village in Judea. Judea. Instead, it is necessary to understand that the whole of our life must be an Advent a vigilant awaiting of the final coming of Christ to predispose our mind to welcome the Lord who, as we say in the creed, one day will come to judge the living and the dead. We must learn to recognize him as present in the events of our daily life. Therefore, Advent is, so to speak, an intense training that directs us decisively towards him who already came, who will come, and who comes continuously. And this is the reminder of Advent. It's like it's not just about okay, we got to get to the season, all those things. 
but where am I, and more importantly, where is God mm-hmm. in my life each and every day? But unfortunately, Victor, I mean, we we I think that we think that we won't be here for that second coming. You know, like when you start talking about second comings and all those things, you start going, okay, well, like, I mean, when's that going to happen? I might be, I'll probably be dead, right? right. Yeah. So therefore, it's not something I should be concerned about. But the fact is, Victor, like the second coming of Christ is going to happen no matter what. Whether you're here on earth and all the things that we hear about in Revelation is going to happen while you're here. But it's most certainly going to happen when you die because you're immediately going to meet Christ. You're mm-hmm. going to come to Christ in that second coming of Christ. And at that point, are we prepared to meet him? And that's really not only as John Paul II says, St. John Paul II says, not a concern just for the season, but for the entirety of our life. Like, where am I in in preparation? If I were to die tomorrow, am I ready? Am I Have I done the things that have been asked of me by Christ? Am I in a position to be able to... to to answer that question, yes, that I'm ready for the second coming of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Because many of us probably think that we are, but we don't take the time to dial into really looking, pulling the covers back and looking and see what's going on really in our lives. Well, you're, you're talking about the human condition, which is in our minds, we're very arrogant. We, we may not verbalize this, but, yeah, sure. but in our minds, we're like, you know, oh, well, you know, I don't need to talk to this guy or I don't need to help this person or I'm just going to do my own thing. I'm going to leave this. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be around this person, Yeah, you know, cause they disagree with me, you know? So it, that's the danger when you start isolating yourself from the world around you, even though like it's, you're, we're, we're supposed to be your brother's keeper. Yeah. You know, even, even Cain, you know, Cain Abel had a disagreement on that. Yeah, you know? Sure. So that's the been in set in motion for the world. You know, we're, we're very easily agitated by other people, but what you're saying is, is like, we need to kind of change that mindset that we're all here for a reason and a purpose Yeah, and, and to focus on helping each other and, but also to be aware that, that we just can't whittle, you know, spend our time away doing what we want to do all the time. Yeah, And we have to be focused not on, 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 on ourselves, but also kind of like, what can I do to make this place better? Mm-hmm. What can I do to help my children thrive, you know, in, in a healthy lifestyle and a healthy way of outlook of, of faith, you know, I mean, I mean, we live in a society like I work in mental health. So again, the stats I can't give you, but I know that a lot of kids from the age of 12 to 17 are dealing with anxiety. It's mm-hmm. like, it's, it probably has been around, but it's like more intently aware now. Um, where's that anxiety coming from? Where is it manifesting? You know, is it the fear of death or is it like the, uh, what's going to happen to me? I don't understand. Or, or is it lack of like a grounding of faith? Yeah, it could be a combination of both, and I think when you have a, a generational skipping of, of a faithful uh, foundation of you know of being in the scripture, you have a lot of people who panic very easily. Sure, you know, and and this whole thing about the second coming of Christ, it can be scary for people who don't understand it. Sure, but for those who are preparing themselves, who are trying to do the best they can, knowing that there's still you know fault within them, but but seeking love and, and acts of charity, we hope that we are found worthy enough. Right. And that's, and that's the thing. Like we hear in Christmas songs like joy to the world and things mm-hmm. like that. And, and you look at it like, Oh, the savior has come, right? Joy to the world, the savior reigns. And you look at that and you're joyful because, okay, there's hope. But then we should also have that song in our mind as we think about the second coming, because this idea of living as a Christian is not some punishment or some slave or some taking you away from mm-hmm. from enjoyment and things in your life. It's really what should bring your life joy. 
is living in these places properly and preparing your hearts, right? And that's one place that God's taken me lately through being on that retreat I went on a few weeks ago and everything's like that. It's like, Lord, let me find you in everything. Right? Let me find you in the sufferings mm-hmm. and as well as the joys and and let me look at everything through the lens of your of your goodness and of your grace. And we find that joy in our life and preparing all of a sudden doesn't become some like, oh, downer, negative, like I'm thinking about death and all this stuff I don't want to think about. It's like, no, I'm coming to know the Lord in a new way. And the Lord is coming, the second coming into my life, mm-hmm. understanding this is who I'm supposed to be. I'm seeing who he is and it's informing who I'm supposed to be. And now all these places in my life where I haven't had joy, where I found myself barren, where I found myself without purpose, now I'm seeing that everything in my life has purpose right? Because it's all centered around him. And we get so busy in the day to day that the church has given us a gift of a season that oftentimes, as I said in the beginning, we sleep through, we pass because we're, we're waiting and in, in, in anxious for the presents and the, the Christmas morning and the Santa Claus stuff mm-hmm. and all those things. And those are great and have their place, but none of it would matter if it wasn't for the birth of our Savior and more importantly, for the second coming of Christ. So, like the thing is, I just I don't want people this Advent. We're early enough into it on this first Tuesday that if you're in a place to where, you know, you're going a little like, man, I don't even thought about Advent. I'm I'm thinking about Christmas lists and you know who's cooking what and where we're going for Christmas and all that kind of stuff. Well, look, you could you could step off that merry-go-round and you could still get those things done. Those things that that we all know at the end of the day, no matter how much we worry about them, all those things are going to get done. Okay. Things are going to happen, you know, but. But to really take the season for what it is and a gift, a gift to really go, man, like there's someone who's died for me. The word was made flesh, right? And dwelt among us for me. And he wants me to dwell among him forever in, in his father forever in heaven. Right. And this is an opportunity before we get into the the hubbub. Because I mean, think about it, like what a letdown it is at Christmas sometimes. Like you're like, yeah, Christmas, Christmas, Christmas. And then you open the presents and then it's like 10 in the morning and all those things. You're like, okay, now what? Mm-hmm. And then you start to look at January and you go, all right, it's like it's time to push that rock back up the hill again for another year. And you can very easily become depressed. And we hear about all the depression in the holidays and things. And it's because we we oftentimes, yes, people don't some people don't have people to celebrate with and all those things, but often like we're missing the point of what we're really doing. Right. We're putting the wrong attention on, on the incorrect things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're we're looking at things that are like fleeting and momentary things and like that's kind of what the world wants us to do so we can buy into their the, the 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 money and the market right. and all those things and the commerce end oh, of Christmas and all that don't stuff. Don't you get Alexis for Christmas every year? Yeah, that's I mean, right. Come on. <laughs> yeah, with a bow <laughs> out right. in the There's driveway, right? It just, just shows up. Yeah, that's, that's right. right. Or whatever latest toy and all that right. stuff. And it's not about that. It's because again, those things don't they'll bring you joy for a minute. Right. Right. I mean, I I kind of laugh a little bit now because I know this is how I was and I see it in my kids. Like that, this had to have item for Christmas, and then they get it one way or another from Santa Claus or from mm-hmm. us or parents or whatever family members, and and then it's like, yeah, this is the greatest thing ever, and I finally got it. And two weeks later, it's in the corner of the room, mm-hmm. right? And it just really is when Christmas is that's all it is to you. Then it's really a a a metaphor for the rest of what life can be, right? Is we're always chasing these other things, but what the Lord is right. calling us to in this season is for us to really remember what's important because there is going to come a day of judgment, whether it's when we die and we meet Christ face to face in our own life and you know our, our time is up, right. or if we're one of the ones that are here when 
the rapture and all those things happen and judgment and all those things happen. Either way, that's going to come. And that's why when we see in Advent these readings that some people will be like, man, this is really kind of like dark and like where's the joy of Christmas? And we read the readings wrong. Like we're going to have, you know, Luke 21, 34 through 36 in Advent. We do uh, every year. And it's be on guard so that your hearts are not weighted down with dissipation and drunkenness as the worry with the worries of this life. And the day that, so let me start over, I'm messing it up. Be on guard so that your hearts are not weighted down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of this life. And that day does not catch you unexpectedly like a trap. For it will come upon all who live on the face of the whole earth. Be alert at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape all these things that will take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Right, because when you're doing your worry, you're worried about yourself. Yeah. You, you, you don't, you block out the greater glory of what is being presented in front of you. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, that's the thing. Don't let this catch you unexpectedly. Right. And that's the gift of the church. It's not some scary warning sign to scare people into like, you better love Jesus because if you don't, there'll be a price to pay. It's, it's the reminder of a loving father and his son who's going to great lengths to be with us forever, mm-hmm. who loves us more than we can fathom saying again, like, are you focused on the right things? Are you focused on me? Is your life, in the right place as regards to, to being a Christian and bringing other people to me. Because if not, then you're always going to be in this place of just chasing your tail around and caught up in the worldly and earthly things. And then one day, this day is going to happen, whether it's your, your, your to you, untimely death. God has a plan for mm-hmm. all of us, but to, but to you, it may be your untimely death or the return of the Lord in the things that it talks about in Scripture. And, and all of a sudden, you've missed out because you've been distracted and looking at other things. Mm-hmm. Right, and I think it's so beautiful that Advent happens right there because it's a reminder of like, don't get distracted by all the shiny lights and all those things. Remember first and foremost that there was someone that chose to to humble themselves, and as you said, to be to to be born into a feeding trough and into mm-hmm. very humble beginnings, who would go on to give his life for you, and that that life was not meant to be given to just be freely forgotten about, but to be remembered so that we can live and be with him forever in heaven, and so. You know, that's that's what I think we have to start really remembering in this season right now is like how we live our life every day matters mm-hmm. and that we're not going to have this like we just I know we can all be guilty of just thinking that our death or 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 the coming of Christ can be way out there somewhere. But it could be as soon as right now. It could be before I get this word out of my mouth. Right. We don't know. And so if we truly want to be in the places we want to be and and be with Jesus, the one that we love then we've got to start preparing our lives right now. Mm-hmm. And Advent is just that, that opportunity to just to do that. So I want to talk a few ways uh, a few, about a few ways we can start to do this and and really remember that Advent is this gift to remember what's important in life. And, you know, for me, first and foremost, start now. Mm-hmm. Like as soon as you turn this podcast off, you know, pray to the Lord to help you properly enter into the Advent season. Like, Lord, I've been ignoring this, and I've been caught up in in present lists and and you know where we're going and travel and and food and invitations and Christmas cards and all that stuff. You could say right then and there, Lord, I'm sorry for putting something like that, all those things above you. Invite me, Lord, at, like walk with me into this season and open mm-hmm. up my heart so that I can understand what you're trying to do and remind me of what's important that there is going to come a time where you're coming again in one of those two ways, and I need to be prepared for it. Um, seek the silence. Like right now is a very busy, loud time of year. I mean, 
it's it's Christmas music blaring everywhere you go, and it has been since before Thanksgiving in grocery stores and all these things. It seems like every year it gets pushed mm-hmm. further and further back. I mean, we're going to be you know listening to Christmas music on the Fourth of July before long, right? And this is where the culture is trying to absorb us into the wrong reasons for the season, and. What we need to do is seek the silence and actively try to remove ourselves from the noise and the busyness of the season because it's in the quiet that we find God, right? I mean, I, I feel it in my own ministry. It's like, oh, my gosh, we're going to turn a year, and we're booked up for this long, but I need to start getting out there and, and getting more you know engagements booked and missions booked and group launches booked. And right now it's just like the Lord is beautifully coming into my life and going, no, John, you need to like – you need to sit here, and I just finished my last engagement. Thank you to Holy Family and them again uh, last weekend. And now the Lord's like, you've got the weeks of this end of the year and even a few weeks into the beginning of the year to really sit down and focus on where are you in your spiritual life. Mm-hmm. Not where are you with everybody else listening or for the, the engagements you're going to go to, but where are you for your family? Where are you in your relationship with the Lord? And if you died tomorrow, like, would you be ready? And, Victor, again, I think that's important, like, you know, if somebody told you next week, you know, you're going to die next Wednesday, you know, or whatever, pick a day next week. By next Friday, you're going to die. What would we be doing? We would be getting our affairs in order. Well, death is something none of us are going to escape. Right. Right. It's coming for us one time or another, at one time or another. And we never know when our time is going to be. So we need to have our affairs in order each and every day. And the Lord is inviting us in these four weeks of Advent, you know, to be able to just, where are you with me? And if you're not in the place where you want to be with God or you're not in the place where you've maybe you've stalled out in your faith and you've you've come to a place where you're in a rut, then maybe it's time to to sit down in the silence and, and ask God, like, where are you in all of this and where do I need to be? And invite him to come into that silence. It's so easy, like I said, to get into the noise and the bustle and the hustle and the, the rustle and all the other words that rhyme with this part of the year and the season. But really what we're focused on is it should be focused on is seeking that silence to really get our marching orders and to see where we need to go with the Lord in this season. You know, three, you know, I would invite him into the places uh, in that silence of where, you know, we're not ready for his return, mm-hmm. right? Those places we're struggling, those places we're hiding, the places we've been avoiding all year. We're grasping and tightly to and not want to give up. Right. right. But I mean, even some of the ones right. where we're not, where we're just like, I don't even want to go there. Yeah. I don't even want to look at that. Like, I don't have the bandwidth right now to, to deal with that, that sort of thing in my life. To invite him in that silence and that prayer to go into those places, right? And to allow him to come there. His, his second come can, can be in those places where we're struggling. Right, So invite him to show him those places so that he can point and say, look, here's the place you need to be focused in this first week of Advent. Here's the place in the second week and the third week and the four week, fourth week. And here's where you need to be focused moving forward you know, through the rest of your life and continue to invite him into those places mm-hmm. to shine that light one footstep at a time in front of us. So you know, the fourth thing I would say is make time for repentance. Once you go in some of those places with him in that silence, he's going to show you places that you're probably not proud of, mm-hmm. the places that you kind of already know in the back of your mind that you're you're hoping to sweep under the rug and that Jesus might just kind of walk over it and not see that lump in the carpet that you've shoved everything under, right? This, this time where it's not as big of a penitential season as Lent is, it's still a time where we can look at these things and clear that clutter out of our hearts so that we can prepare the way and the openness of our hearts to receive our Lord. So just looking at that, like not only, Lord, what it, where's, where are the things that are keeping me from you and where's my focus in my life not on you but on something else, 
you can now take that and repent of those things and really clear that space in your life. And then, you know, five, seek his will and conform to it. Like you said, like it's a time to conform to his will. So that's what we need to do is just seek that out and to be able to say, Lord, what do you want from me? Like what, what, what are my marching orders? And then start to, to openly listen to those things, not only in the season of, of, of Advent, but beyond. I mean, that's the hope, man. Jesus is coming and we don't know when, and to sit there and worry about when it is is not what we need to be doing, right? It's not, it's not you know, you know, taking bets on when the second coming is mm-hmm. happening. It's when it does happen inevitably in my own death or in my life when I'm here, if I'm here to see it, am I ready? Mm-hmm. Am I prepared? Yes, we need to celebrate the, the birth of our Lord, like that first coming, and, and remember and celebrate that time where Jesus came for us. And remember what a big deal that should be in our lives and that somebody – left the best of everything to come down here into this world for us. We need to re- to remember that and celebrate that on Christmas in the Christmas octave of Christmas beyond. But now we have a special time and an invitation by our Lord to remember to prepare ourselves beyond that, to get ready to be able to go to heaven with him. You know, that's that's really what we're called to do. So folks, like I, you know, I, I'm, I'm at the point in my spiritual journey now sometimes where I'm like, I don't know if anything we're saying is making sense. All I know is the Lord told us to turn these mics on today and we're in the Advent season and I can't be the only one that if I'm not careful can miss out on the importance of this season. So I hope that during this episode and during this time and Victor's thoughts and my own, that maybe this jogs something, a realization that you're not living Advent properly or if you are good on you, you know, we can always go deeper. But folks, the important part is in December, it's not just all about gifts and presents and, and eggnog and all that stuff and parties. It's about remembering that there was someone that loved you who came not only once, but will come twice for you. And are we going to be ready on both of those opportunities at Christmas to remember what Christmas is really about? And then two, on the second coming of Christ, to remember that there's a Lord that, that, that hopes and is praying that we will be prepared and have done the things that he's asked us to do in our life, um, to not have run out of oil like the virgins at the door, but to have our lamps full. And be prepared to go to heaven with the one who loves us the most. So, folks, thank you for listening today. Victor, thank you for being here again today. I'm so excited just to have you here and to, to move into these further episodes and Advent and beyond together, brother. Um, folks, you can, if you enjoy the show, if you've enjoyed what we do, you can find more of it on any podcast platform out there or on YouTube. You can become a supporter by going to justagownthepew.com and clicking support up there. But, folks, I just hope as we move through this first week of Advent, that you really take this show and take it to heart and and really start focusing on what's important. So, Victor, let's pray that we can all do that by taking this to the Father. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord Jesus, Advent is a gift that many of us never unwrap. No, we sleep through it and miss out on, on an opportunity, an amazing opportunity, to further prepare our hearts for your return. This Advent, help us to remember what is important and give us the strength to resist the urge to busy ourselves with the noise and the agenda of the secular season. And Jesus, whenever we find ourselves taking our eyes off of you, remind us that there will come a day when it may be too late to refocus. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Helping to make Advent a time of training. 
through the rest of our lives. This is something that helps along the way, thanks to Just a Guy in a Pew. If you want to find out more about this episode or ones you might have missed, check us out, podcastcentral.com slash radio, and that way you can take it with you on any of your holiday journeys. I am H. McKay, and when Catholics Coast to Coast returns, we're going to check in with Mamas in Spirit as the spirit of Advent continues, and we want to hear from Father Edward. He's going to tell us a story of the time he met Santa Claus and how it helped to give a true reflection on the meaning of Christmas for him and how we can deal with that in the homes and hearts during this special time of year. So we'll get into Mamas in Spirit coming up on Catholics Coast to Coast. If it's central to the faith, you can find it on EWTN Podcast Central, featuring the best of EWTN Radio, as well as faith-filled podcasts from our friends and affiliates across the nation, all in one place, all free. The destination for great Catholic audio programming is EWTN Podcast Central. It's like podcast heaven. Visit EWTN.com slash radio slash podcasts today. We all have a tender heart at Christmas and Advent. It's part of the miracle of the season. And when we talk about Advent being about expectation, it's rooted in hope. So that's where my expectations get fulfilled, to see the gospel being practiced. That's when I go crazy, happy crazy. Welcome to Mamas in Spirit, a podcast pointing you towards God in everything you are and everything you do. I'm Lindy Wynn, and it's a blessing to be with you. Hello, everyone, and happy Advent. What a glorious time for us to come together and open and prepare our hearts for the coming of Christ, that re-coming, that reversion of Christ every year that we're invited into. And I am blessed beyond measure to be here with my own pastor, Father Ed Steiner from St. Phillips in Franklin, Tennessee. Father Ed, thank you so much for being here. Oh, I'm looking forward to our time together. And what a delight because I said to him earlier, I'm like, this is really an act of trust. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know where you're going or what you're going to ask. I don't either. (laughs) But I do trust that the Holy Spirit will guide me. And we were just talking for a few minutes about Advent. And Father Ed has met my littlest many, many times before. And I was sharing with him that in the first Christmas podcast that she did, because she's in it every year with her older sister, Mindy, that I asked her about the meaning of Christmas and so insightful for a small child yet with the purity of heart that we're all called to she said Jesus is coming into our hearts again and Father Ed you may know this recently I spoke about the Immaculate Heart of Mary and just really our own hearts and that call every day to open our hearts to the Lord for like Ezekiel says for our hearts to be hearts of flesh for them not to be hardened in any way but to be so open to the love and the joy and the goodness of God so Before we explore Father Ed's story and the season of Advent, let us begin in prayer. Father Ed, will you please open us in prayer? Sure. Well, we always begin prayer, as Paul tells us, in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. God, our Father, your Son revealed himself to us as an innocent child. Help us to make our hearts ready to see that innocence once more. Help us to see the quiet of that little town of Bethlehem, where our hearts can be still and we can hear your Son speaking to us. Help us, too, to be those shepherds, those shepherds who come. May we always be looking for the star that we call Christ. Help us this Advent, Lord, to make this journey in good faith through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit.
Spirit. Amen. Thank you for that beautiful prayer. And I love how you use the word shepherd and shepherds already because, Father Ed, when I think of you, I think of a, a shepherd, a very good shepherd to us as your flock. And a song that's come to my heart a lot before, it was really written for the Lord, yet we're called to obviously reflect the Lord as a good, good father. Because as a family and St. Philip's being our spiritual home, there's all the highs and lows. There's all the things. There's all the different people, all of God's children in one place. And you're very smooth and steady and very contemplative and quiet. And I just think of you in the stillness, like you talked about in your prayer and how what you say and do comes from there. So I'm so looking forward to really learning more about you because you decided to say yes to Mamas in Spirit. (laughs) (laughs) Happy to. So I would love if you could share really any stories from your own life that really remind you of allowing Jesus into your own heart again and witnessing that in your life. Sure. Sometimes the correlation between an event and directly comparing it to God is not there or Christ. But what is there, we learned something from those early events. I remember my mother just swears I can't remember this, but she remembers it. She said, you're only four or five. But we were having dinner. Our doorbell rang. Of course, being the oldest, I scrambled to the door to answer it. And I opened up the main door. And on the other side of the storm door, there stood Santa Claus. I was beside myself. Just sort of fell backwards, stepped back. My father came walking out and he said something to Santa. I don't even remember any of that. And I know I sat on his lap. My father took our picture. We still have the picture. But what's interesting is the connection I'm going to make to Advent is that I looked for that Santa to come to my door every year after. So there was this expectation, this hope that Santa's going to show up again. Never did, but I still kind of live with that expectation. And in some ways, that's what Advent helps us do to build our expectation of, of, of Christmas. And I love Advent. It's my, actually my favorite season of the year because it can be a very contemplative time if we don't go crazy trying to get ready for Christmas. We set our expectations so high that doing everything we can do to get ready for Christmas, throwing up trees and decorations and buying presents, that we just don't enter into it. And the one thing about Advent is that in our liturgical church year, we begin retelling the story of Jesus Christ all over again. In fact, in just two weeks, the Feast of Christ the King of the Universe, that's the last Sunday of our church year. And on that day, we will celebrate something that hasn't happened yet, you know, the coming of Christ and then the time. That's part of our huge faith. And then the very next Sunday, we start over with the story. Every year we go through the story of Christ, our lives are different. We've had different experiences. Somebody's died, somebody's gotten sick. We hear the same scriptures, but they're different. And Advent helps us do that. Now, this is more of a Christmas thing, but I think it helps. In my father's family, there were eight children. One died rather young, but they all had buku children. So growing up, by the time the last grandchild came, I had 26 first cousins. So it was a heck of a party. My grandmother's house, my grandmother, my grandfather. But what they did was very smart, thinking of their children. They had so many. On Christmas Day, they had one requirement, stay at the house until they get there. Because my grandfather went around to all of the houses and he had a 16 millimeter camera. And most people in those days had a little eight millimeter. So this is a bigger deal. And he would film all of us around our Christmas tree, showing off our presents. Father had it all transferred to video, but this was film. So I can go back now and I can look at myself when I was three and four years old below our Christmas tree. And I still remember some of those presents, especially some of the things Santa brought. But we waited. And then the deal was, if we would wait, they would film us. They went on to the next 
Fisk's home. We didn't go to their house on Christmas Day because they said it's not fair to everybody to try to haul all the kids around. So you were expected to go to your in-laws on Christmas Day. And then about halfway between Christmas Day and New Year's, they would have a huge party at their house. Everybody better be there. But again, to use that word expectation, the expectation was so high for that party because there were cousins at that, maybe Thanksgiving, Easter. There were only times I would see some of them. So it was just that expectation of seeing family, being with family. And we need to do things in our Advent that builds that sense of expectation. As we begin Advent, we're trying to build that expectation of Christ the King, where we're looking at expectation of Christ to come again. Oftentimes I refer to Advent as we're getting ready for Christmas to celebrate the birth of the Lord. I said, you know, it's really kind of a rehearsal for preparing our hearts for the Lord, all the things we do. I was in a classroom years ago when I was pastor at St. Joseph, and I love going. There was this one second grade class that the kids were just wonderful. So I went in, we were talking about a variety of things. I was just talking to him. And I said, does anybody know where the North Pole is? Of course, hands go up and they're all swinging their hands. And I'd call on one and they'd be so shocked I called on them and said, oh, I forgot, you know, or uh, I don't know. But one girl, I thought her arm was going to come out of the shoulder socket. So I called on her. And I said, okay, where's North Pole? And she said, you drive straight to heaven, and then you turn right two blocks south. (laughs) The teacher laughed. But that's the connection of a child. To have that, in some ways, very deep theological kind of thought. For that child to connect what Santa does to heaven, that's a huge connection. We all want to make it a lot better. This is something that any family can do, because we all have our manger sets and crash crib. There was a family that invited me out to dinner. It was about middle of Advent. And so I go... We have a nice meal. Kids are great. They're younger kids, older than toddler. They're all young grade school. Well, one of the boys started saying, Daddy, why are we going to tell stories? I want to tell stories. Dad said, well, Father's here. Let's enjoy his company. We'll do it in a little while. But he was so persistent. We want to tell stories. So I asked the father, his name was Ted, said, Ted, what is he talking about? And he said, oh, uh, every evening after dinner, we go to the manger scene. And one kid every night, and they, of course, cycle through, cycle through, where they pick one of the figures in that manger scene. And they have to make up a story about that figure, about who is it? What's that figure's name? Why did this figure go to see the baby Jesus? And and like a lot of people, the baby Jesus wasn't in the manger. It was everything but. And so the kids would talk about how excited this character was going to be when he got to see the baby Jesus. And the one that did the story that night talked about how his mother and father was really sick, this little shepherd boy. And he didn't know what to do, but he heard this king was coming and he thought kings can do anything. So found his way to the manger to meet the king, to ask the king to take care of his parents. And I thought, oh my gosh, kids can tear you up. It was a marvelous thing, marvelous thing for a family to even think of doing that. I don't know where they got it from, but I thought, what a great idea. So marvelous. Yes, I love that so much. And it's so funny, Father Ed, because we're very blessed that both sides of Brian's and my family are very involved in our Christmas season and our Advent season and all the things. And so I've actually, as I'm getting older, I'm thinking, well, what traditions have I really created. And I don't know that that really matters so much because we have all these beautiful traditions, yet something like that to add in would be just glorious. Oh, absolutely. Again, growing up during Advent leading up to Christmas, every night after dinner, back in the days when we all really ate dinner together, my father would read a portion of Charles Dickens' Christmas Carol. And we were just mesmerized by it. And and he had it all timed out. So every evening we do part of Charles Dickens' Christmas Carol, and then we get to the part where he wakes up 
up and it's Christmas Day. And it was in a set of books, story time or something like that, kind of a fancy looking set of books. So after my father died, my mother was cleaning the house and it's like, we don't need this, we don't need that. She said, oh, I didn't get rid of these books. I said, don't you dare. So those books are in my room. And to this day, I reread Christmas Carol every Advent. Charles Dickens was, he was really into social justice. And Advent and Christmas, what's so great about Dickens and reading it, it's a story of redemption, but also helps us open our eyes to the question, why did Jesus come? You know, that question needs to be asked. Why are we doing this? Why are we putting trees in the house? Why are we putting candles in the windows? Why are we doing all this stuff? And Dickens, there's a point where Christmas present has taken Scrooge to a place where there's a lot of poor people. And Scrooge, he had already said, well, aren't there places for people to work houses? Well, there's these two figures under the robe of Christmas present. And Scrooge notices these figures are moving. He said, what's that under your robe? He opens it up and there's these two horrible looking children. And Scrooge says, well, who are they? He said, they're man's children. They are ignorance and want. The downfall of humanity, ignorance and want. And want meaning needing sustenance. You know, want is more than, oh, I, I, I want to have that bike for Christmas. The real word want means there are things that I need to survive. That's to want. It's hunger. So Advent, to really keep us focused on why Christ came. If we can't use Advent to focus on why Jesus came, well, then Christmas doesn't have a lot of depth of meaning to it. Yes, I so appreciate that. And it's so lovely listening to you, Father Ed, and I'm realizing something that's much deeper. And it's not something exactly that you said, but it's your entire kind of being and spirit. And you did touch upon it when you talked about waiting in expectation after that first year that Santa showed up at your door as a small boy, that you would then expect that every year and that you still do. You still have your own sense of expectation. That really shines through and that's really beautiful and moving. And you have many memories. You've lived a good good life. And you're a pastor, you're a shepherd, you walk with a lot of people and you walk with a lot of people who literally are poor and hungry at times. And then also people who are struggling and suffering through all the things. We couldn't even list them. And I can only imagine how many that you have heard over your career and your vocation and calling as a priest. Could you speak to that? How is your heart, going back to what my little said, that this is a time where we are waiting because Jesus is coming into our hearts again. I see that in you. Like you still have an open heart and probably a reopened heart so that you can live in the expectation and the hope of love itself, of God, Mm -hmm. of Christ, and why Christ came. How is that? I know it's a grace and a blessing. How have you been blessed with that? I think, and especially at St. Philip, wonderful parish. And I've been in multiple parishes. I was at Father Ryan High School. I worked at Fort Campbell as a chaplain there. I mean, I've done all kinds of things, but I don't say this flatter myself because there was a spirit at St. Philip before I got there. And it is a spirit that's truly connected to the community, to the city, and to outreach. And what I see in terms of that fulfillment of that expectation is that the parish between the Christmas basket program and all these other things, it becomes so mobilized to reach out to those that are in ignorance and in want. So mobilized. And part of the Christmas basket week that we have, part of my expectation is that this is really fun. I can't wait till it happens. But what we see when parishioners deliver all of those Christmas baskets, you run into people who in many ways have lost hope, who in many ways feel forgotten. I'm an elderly person. I'm here all by myself in this house. We're impoverished. There's people that their incomes are okay, but they've just lost a loved one. So for parishioners to walk in or me to walk in, you see people 
people, like I said, that in some ways have lost hope. They're very lonely. And all of a sudden, you see countenance change. You know, you see people's faces change. You know, they might say, yes, Virginia, there is a Santa Claus. And it's these parishioners from St. Philip bringing us food to eat. But one of the, it didn't happen at St. Philip, but in a similar kind of thing in another parish. One family, they were really scared to do this, so to take the food. So I'll go with you. So, you know, they went to the house, very impoverished sheets for the windows. The house, you kind of felt the breeze coming in the house. And the kids just started picking through the box. Now, they had wrapped presents, which mama told them, those go under the tree. You can't open those. But then there were toiletries and all of that. Well, there were enough toothbrushes for each of the kids to have a brand new toothbrush. One of them just started crying, just started crying. And I asked, what's wrong? What's wrong? She said, this is the first time I've ever had my own toothbrush. Of course, your heart just drops to your toes. To hear a small child in this country say, this is the first time I've had my own toothbrush. It makes the huge gifts at Christmas seem kind of meaningless when that child finds such joy and excitement in a toothbrush. And so when we talk about Advent being about expectation, it's rooted in hope. So that's where my expectations get fulfilled, to see the gospel being practiced. That's when I go crazy, happy crazy. I love what you just said about the gospel being practiced, because I just wonder if sometimes we can get so caught up in like the right book, (laughs) you know, the right reflective book or whatnot. But yet this is a glorious invitation for us to do all these things. And I have memories flooding back to my own heart of going into senior homes. Last Christmas time, we went with the Girl Scout troop that I lead into the Christmas home and a man was new there and he was crying at first. It was so sad in the memory care section. And then he was a singer. The girl started singing. Oh my goodness. This man, I wondered if he had been like a famous singer's uh-huh. voice was so glorious. And then he started leaning. Oh, when the saints go marching in and all the things. But like you're saying, witnessing that transformation that only God can give. Mm-hmm. That glorious transformation. And the other thing that came to heart when you started talking about St. Philip's is how this goes on every day. Not just only in Advent. Right. That St. Philip's has its own food pantry and its own clothing closet. And oftentimes in daily mass, I see people out there either going into them or waiting for them or, and it's deeply moving. And Israel is someone that I want to get on Mamas in Spirit because I watch these people like Israel from St. Philip's who does the food pantry. And I think he's like Jesus. Absolutely. In fact, before you even said his name, I started thinking about Israel as I told some of these stories. There's the forgotten, the hungry, people without family and all of that. Well, when people come into our building and they go to the, and for some of your listeners who don't know what this is, we just have parishioners bring food. Every weekend there's food coming in and we have a closet, rather substantial, but we call it our food pantry and anybody can walk in off the street and help themselves to what they need. And it's never abused. I mean, people really walk in and take what they need, you know, whether it's canned food or box food or whatever it is. But as those people come in, Israel knows each and every one of them by name. I call that the Cheers Theology of Church, where everybody knows your name. Well, he's a force to be reckoned with because he is kind and he's gentle and he laughs. But at the same time, if somebody seems like they're abusing, he can still speak up and say, hey, now, you're not the only hungry person in the world. <laughs> I heard him say that to somebody. But they know him. And isn't that what we're all called to be? Again, go back to Dickens, is to truly see the world as, as a pilgrimage that we're all on together. Yes, to truly see the world as a pilgrimage 
pilgrimage that we're all on together and together as a family and God. Mm-hmm. Because the other memory that comes to heart is deeply personal. Someone always has to tear up in a Mamas in Spirit podcast. So I'm over here tearing up listening <laughs> to you. <laughs> But I think of our son because we adopted Henry when he was just shy of six and all that boy ever wanted was a father. I'm telling you, he was like, you're all right, but I really want him. Oh, man. (laughs) He really wanted my husband. And he moved in in the beginning of November and then came Thanksgiving and then came Christmas. And he has intellectual disability, so he's still like a small child. And his anticipation, his expectation of Christmas is unmatched. It is unmatched. And this year, pray for us, everybody. Brian's going to pick him up for Christmas and I'm going to take him back after he lives across the country. And it will be an adventure, but it will be a joyous adventure because he has a heart of Christmas. Absolutely. You know, and there's nothing better than taking a child to a theme park. My family lives in Florida, only about an hour, 20 minutes away from Disney World. So for years, I would take my nephews, would go up to Disney World, would spend a day up there at Christmas time. And of course, oh my gosh, Disney does Christmas like nobody else can do Christmas. But there's some rides. If I never went on again, it'd be okay. <laughs> like it's a small world because you go through that and you're singing that song in your head for, you know the next week and you just can't get it out of your head but to see the children light up and to experience that through their eyes and of course what happens at Christmas if we just pay attention to the children we can see Christmas through their eyes the closer we get the more they vibrate <laughs> you know they just crazy and of course there's nothing like the last few days of classes in a Catholic school with the kids I mean they're just forget teaching whatever you could do to keep them busy. But from Santa Claus, believing is seeing. And that's what children do. That's what children do. I asked not too long ago, a five-year-old maybe, I'm shaking hands as everybody comes in the church. I said, oh, well, why are you here today? And he said, I'm here to see Jesus. It's convicted in his heart. They get it. They get it. Children could be such a gift during Advent. I tell parents all the time, I said, it's sort of old-fashioned, but put those kids in your car and drive around the neighborhood, other neighborhoods, and look at Christmas decorations. Go see all the other houses. Let those kids' eyes get big. Take them to some kind of Christmas special thing somewhere. To this day, I love walking around the Opryland Hotel when it's decorated for Christmas. Talk about getting in the mood. But, you know, you decorate, you know, you bake, but it's so important that, like you just said a minute ago, create those memories for the kids. And every year, you know, at the end of any of our Christmas masses, I tell the parents to bring their kids up to the manger scene, let them look at it, you know, just create memories because it's our expectation get built on those memories. Yes. And what I'm hearing from you is create memories that are etched deeply within our hearts forever because you're not a five-year-old boy anymore. <laughs> nope. I might act childish, but no. <laughs> Yet that still reverberates in your heart and has for your lifetime thus far. And that's so beautiful. And it's so funny, Father Ed, because I don't think about this very often. But as a child, my grandparents, they belonged to a country club and we would go there for Santa Claus. Well, you know who was Santa Claus was my grandfather. Oh, man. So we got to go in the front of the line before all the other Uh kids. And then he would come out in the Santa costume on the balcony, way on the the other side 
of the ballroom. It's a very fancy place. <laughs> and he would wave and say, ho, ho, ho. And my grandmother would delight. I remember that. I remember seeing her joy in seeing my grandfather as Santa Claus. And then we would always get to sit on his lap first as his children. And he actually passed away when I was nine. And that's how I discovered God as a child was when he passed away. So there's just so much tied up in that. And this is a, not a podcast where I usually say, hey, moms or dads, if you're listening, here are some ideas. But this has been one of the most meaningful things that my youngest child and I have done together that I believe our entire family has benefited from and definitely my own heart has before every season, like just summer, fall, winter, whatnot, but also the season of Advent and Christmas, we make a list of all the things that we want to do that are the most important. It could just be walking our dog through downtown Franklin to see the lights, like the simplest things, driving around, seeing Christmas lights, going to the Christmas concert that's amazing at St. Philip's, like all the things. And then we cut them up and we put them in the jar. And anyone that's not like on a specific day or time, we pull out when we have some time and we do that because it's those things, Father Ed, that you know, or that I know that we'll cherish always because things can get too busy. And in our family, all of our children are December babies. So December is nuts. (laughs) But it's not because we do, we are blessed and try to have that intentionality of doing the things that are the most important. When you're talking about your grandfather, it brought a little something to mind. Somewhere along the line, I read the three phases of a man's life. First, he believes in Santa Claus. Second, he doesn't believe in Santa Claus. Third, he becomes Santa Claus. Oh. And I think that's the grandfather. To say this, Santa, kind of an older guy, so we a lot of times we'll associate our grandfathers with things like that. But for the grandmothers or whomever is listening, make sure that the grandfathers understand that when children visualize God, it's usually a composite of their grandfathers. Grandfathers don't realize how important they are because kids think there's this old man, God, he's bald, and he looks like he just walked out of the gym. <laughs> you know, he's just buff and all that. But most boys, their vision of God, what they think God looks like is a composite of either one grandfather grandfather or both are grandfathers. And many, many people will tell you that it wasn't the fact that their parents were always going to church made them go. It's that their grandparents were going and they would take the kids with them. And like grandparents do, they'd make the kids behave at church. You know, they'd make them sit still and all that. But again, what's the power? Memory. Memory. With our own parents, we can kind of dismiss the things they tried to teach us. Of course, I discover, you know, the older I get, the smarter my parents were. Of course. (laughs) And uh, here's why memory is important. Our prayer and our worship is based on a thing called mimesis. It's a Greek word. It means memory. But in the Jewish understanding of memory, and this is how the scriptures work. If you told a story, let's say you told a Christmas story, and I heard your story, and I thought it was great. I wasn't there, but next time I tell that story, I am allowed to put myself in that story. Because when you told me the story, I experienced it. So whether we're at, for those of us that are Catholic, whether at Mass, what are we doing? We're telling the story. When we read the scriptures, we're telling the story again. There's many times that the gospel writers will sort of make you believe they were there. Well, they weren't there, but they heard the stories and they retell them with a sense of their own presence. And that's ultimately how we experience things. It's through the power of those stories and being able to interject ourselves into those stories. But what are we doing around all of these holidays? Children learn more about their parents' family history through the holidays than any other time of year. Mama, what was it like when you were a little girl? What did Grandma do? What did Papa do? Just think about you and your husband, Brian, how many times you talked to your kids about what it was like when you were growing up. Like you said, creating memories so that they have stories to tell. 
tell, that they have stories to pass on to their children about what it was like when they were little. And, oh, you know, you didn't get to know your great-grandparents, but let me tell you something about them. Everybody, by the way we live, we write our own gospel, and we're called to open up the gospel. And then we can begin to see life's lessons, the gospel lessons start to unfold as we remember the person. Striving to make off-field memories and practices in the gospel when it comes to a loved one, especially during the Advent season. That is Mamas in Spirit. If you want to check out this episode or ones you might have missed, make sure you check out all the conversations at Podcast Central at EWTN.com slash radio. That way through Advent or into the new year, you've got other ways to deepen your walk with God. I'm Ace McKay. That's going to wrap things up for this week. I will see you back next week as we get closer to Christmas. And remember to let God define who you are as we continue our conversations here on Catholics Coast to Coast. Coast.